Are you a follower of Jesus Christ who's done being quiet? Are you ready to tell the world whose you are, totally, fearlessly, and unapologetically? And are you ready to smash that imaginary wall that supposedly divides your career and faith life? Welcome to the C-Suite for Christ podcast, where we talk about living as a disciple of Christ in the world of work. Before we get to the content we have in store for you today, here's a quick word from our sponsor. Are you a Christian-based organization? Well, so are we, and we're here to serve you. We want to help you with your mission, so please visit ParagonMarketingGroup.com to see how we can help. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the C-Suite for Christ podcast. I am your host, the founder of C-Suite for Christ, Paul M. Newberger. What a blessing it is to have you join us here today. As always, we have an enlightening, motivating, stimulating show in store for you. Our guest is going to be none other than Gary Loop. Gary is the president of Loop Group. Hey, that rhymes. I, I wonder if Gary is aware of that. I'll, I'll probably have to tell him during our conversation here in the second portion of the program. But not only is Gary the president of the Loop Group, he's a, one of the inaugural members of the C-Suite for Christ organization. He's been there from the very beginning. And we're blessed to benefit as an organization from Gary's leadership because he serves as the chairman of the C-Suite for Christ Executive Committee, which is basically our board of directors. So when you see us on LinkedIn with over 40,000 followers, you see us starting to plant chapters all across the country. You see our social media posts getting over 3 million views in any given month. You see us having thousands of Christian business executives associated with our organization. It takes a village to say the least. And Gary has been one of the driving forces behind all of the success at C-Suite for Christ. So it's going to be wonderful to have a conversation with him. And we're going to have a lot of good stuff to discuss. So to get this show started here, I wonder how you feel about random acts of kindness. And I know that's probably like a silly thing to say. It's almost like, how do you feel about rainbows and bunny rabbits? Well, good. Next question, please. It's not a controversial topic when you talk about random acts of kindness. Now, the story that I'm about to tell you here, this is not one of these things where I'm trying to be braggadocious. This is not one of these things where I want the spotlight on me. That's not why people do random acts of kindness, but I think it really kind of exemplifies the point that I want to make in this episode of the C-Suite for Christ podcast. So my wife and I now, Tanya, the love of my life, and I've married way, way up. If you've ever been fortunate enough to meet Tanya, you'll look at her and you'll say, how in the world? Anyway, I digress. But uh, one of the things that we did, especially when we were just starting out in our marriage, so we got married in 2011, and shortly thereafter, I mean, we, we started to have, so our first, so we got married in June of 2011, and our first child was there September of 2012. And one of the things that we would do is while Tanya was pregnant, not too pregnant, you know, where she could still walk around and stuff, and then shortly after our firstborn son, Kennedy, was born, uh, we lived in this tiny little house in Menominee Falls, Wisconsin, and what we would do is we just, again, not a whole lot to do in this tiny little starter house that we had. We had a very small yard, at least compared to, especially compared to where we are now in 
the Richfield Colgate area. But what we do is we would just go for walks. It, it, it was just fun for us to do. You get some exercise, get your step count up, enjoy some clean air, some fresh air. And again, if Kennedy was born, maybe he's two months old, we're pushing the stroller around and trying to get him to take a nap or whatever the case may be. But one of the things that we would do is if you're familiar with this area at all, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. But if not, just envision this in your head. So Menominee Falls High School really wasn't terribly far from where we lived. Big public high school. They had a lot of, uh, still do, have a lot of athletic fields, football fields, baseball fields, playgrounds, parks. I mean, it's, it's like this entire campus structure. Well, right off to the side of Menominee Falls High School was this set of woods. Like it wasn't overly deep. Like you're not going to find bear or deer or anything like that, but you'd have a couple of houses nestled in those woods. One of the uh, main drags in Menominee Falls wasn't too far from those woods, but basically there were, there were several acres of woods surrounding Menominee Falls High School. And when we'd go on these walks and just kind of going around the neighborhood or whatever, you know, we would notice from time to time, especially after a windy day or whatever, you look at some of those some of the woods and there's plastic bags in the trees. There's uh, aluminum cans there. There's, you know, Funyun wrappers. I mean, you name it. I mean, it, it, these woods over time, especially after a weekend, especially after a Friday Menominee Falls high school football game, there was an awful lot of litter. And, and I'll be honest, I, I didn't care as much. I mean, granted, I, I don't want to see our neighborhood desecrated. I don't like seeing God's creation littered or soiled upon or whatever, but Tanya in particular really had a tough time with that. She went to Menominee Falls High School. She took pride in our neighborhood. And she just, I remember her saying one time, you know, somebody should do something about that. And I agreed. Yeah, somebody should. Well, you want to be the change that you aspire to see in the world. So one day when we were going on a walk, Tanya brings a garbage bag. I'm like, what the heck are you doing? What are you bringing a garbage bag for? Garbage bag doesn't need fresh air. Garbage bag doesn't need to go on a walk. And she said, no, I, I kind of want to clean up that area around Menominee Falls High School. I thought she was a little weird. I'll be honest, a little nuts. Well, wait a minute. We're not going to get our step count up. You're not going to get your heart rate up cleaning up trash. But, you know, she's the smarter of the two. So I deferred to her and we did that. And it was a fun experience. I, I really enjoyed that. I, I did it a little begrudgingly at first. But after a little while, I don't know, just the, the sense of pride that I got, the sense of accomplishment that I got, the, the sense of being a good steward of God's creation became borderline intoxicating. Plus, I'm an insanely competitive person. I'm sitting here on this podcast right now just thinking, well, can I go an entire episode without saying an um or an uh? Like, you know, I, I got this competition about me. So now you're the listener. If you hear that, make sure to send me an email or ding me or something and let me know. But again, I'm, I'm very competitive. How, A, can I fill a garbage bag? Can I fill three garbage bags? How quickly can I fill three garbage bags? Like this became an outlet for me, a stress reliever. And I'll tell you, like I said, it was intoxicating. 90 minutes, two hours, whatever, cleaning up the woods around Menominee Falls High School. You feel like you're doing a lot. You feel like you're making a difference. You feel like you're being a good steward of God's creation. Yay us. Now, we didn't do that for publicity. I didn't do that because I wanted the world to know. And I feel a little selfish and guilty even telling you about it now. That's not why we did that. But I'll tell you, as much as I liked it, it became very disheartening. If I'm out there on a Saturday afternoon, and sometimes these were epic garbage walks, as we called them, three hours in the woods, three hours picking up trash, three hours making those woods so clean, you could pretty much eat off that detritus. You could eat off that grass. And then we go back for our walk 
that following Saturday after a home Menominee Falls Friday night football game, and it's trashed again. Okay, well, let's go ahead and pick up the trash. No problem. Next week, trashed again. All right, we'll do it the next week. Next week, trashed again. At some point, I started to get frustrated. I started to get resentful. I started to tell my wife, you know, there's better ways that we can spend our time. What's the point? I remember saying it wasn't at one moment, at one weaker moment. Why do we keep going back there every Saturday? They're just going to trash it anyway. Why do we go back there as often as we do? It's just going to get messed up again anyway. What's the point? Just let it go. Who cares? It's like all this good work that we're doing is for naught. It's like all this good work that we're doing doesn't matter. I was getting sick of it. I was getting frustrated. And I was just wondering, am I having an impact? Are these garbage walks making a difference? Is anything my wife and I are doing, is this making an impact in the world when a couple of days you come back to those woods in Menominee Falls and it's trashed again anyway? Can you relate to that? Think about your life. Maybe you're not going on a garbage walk. Maybe you're not picking up trash. Maybe there's a person in your life. You're mentoring that person, witnessing to that person, encouraging that person, giving time to that person, yet they keep regressing, yet they keep stumbling, yet they keep falling. Am I making a difference? Is anything I'm saying to this person going to register? What's the point? Maybe you're at the office. You're working extra hours. You're coming in on the occasional weekend. You're taking on assignments that maybe necessarily aren't part of your job description. You're going above and beyond the call of duty because it's the right thing to do when you feel good about it. But your bosses aren't noticing. You're getting passed over for promotions. You're getting passed over for pay raises. You start getting resentful. What's the point? Why am I doing this? Maybe you volunteer. Maybe you volunteer at a food shelter. Maybe you are a food pantry. Maybe you volunteer at a woman's shelter. You're there to give of your time. You're there to help those people. You're there to try to encourage and witness. But every week you come back, that's one person is still hungry. That one person still doesn't have enough to eat. That one woman continues to make those bad choices. She continues to go back to that husband or spouse or significant other or boyfriend that just continues to kick her around like a can. And you ask yourself, well, what's the point? Am I really solving anything? Am I really fixing anything? It's amazing how prescient the Bible is. It's just amazing how evergreen, everlasting the Bible is. Because when you open up Scripture and you turn to Galatians chapter 6, verse 9, it says this, Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Let us not become weary in doing good. It seems odd. It seems counterintuitive. It, 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 it seems kind of silly but it's very easy to become weary of doing good. It feels good to do good. It feels good to do random acts of kindness. It feels good to be a blessing to others. But sometimes you ask yourself, is what I'm doing, does this really matter? Are other people even noticing? Is this making a difference? Am I touching lives? Am I changing people for the better? And sometimes we can get discouraged. I'm doing good for him, but it doesn't seem to be working. I'm doing good for the community, but it doesn't seem to matter. I'm doing good at the office, but nobody seems to recognize what I'm doing. I might as well stop. 
I might as well quit. I might as well give up. But scripture is telling us, Galatians chapter 6, verse 9, let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Do not give up. Everything you've ever wanted is on the other side of activity. Everything you've ever wanted is just on the other side of progress, of moving forward. You're never as close to the goal as you are at any given point in time right now. But if you stop, if you give up, if you throw up your hands, oh, we could miss that bountiful harvest. And again, we don't necessarily do good for us. I wasn't picking up trash because I wanted to reap a harvest. You're not necessarily going above and beyond at the office with every single activity that you do because you're trying to reap a harvest. You're not necessarily going to the food pantry or the woman's shelter because you're trying to reap a harvest. But something good is going to happen if you don't give up. Because could you imagine what would happen throughout all of human history, throughout all of Christian society, if people just gave up? Gosh, think about the, the founding of our country. If our founding fathers had just given up, if our, if, if our military heroes from the Civil War to World War I to World War II to whatever conflict it might be, what if they gave up? What if anybody who ever faced a challenge, something that could be insurmountable, what if they gave up? Would you be where you are today? Would society be where it is today? Would Christianity be where it is today? And I think not. Definitively, I think not. Scripture knows that we can become weary in doing good. Scripture knows that if we're going to cover the world in Christ, if we're going to ensure that God is on the move, we must continue to do good. So take this as a sign of encouragement. Take this as hope. Take this in, as inspiration. Never grow weary in doing good. For at the proper time, and it's not up to you to decide when the time is proper. It's not up for me to decide when the time is proper. It's not up for our families to decide when the time is proper. It God's proper timing, we will reap a harvest, a bountiful harvest, a masterful harvest, either for ourselves or others, if we do not give up. Do not give up. And our guest today, Gary Loop, the president of the Loop Group, is intimately familiar with this verse. He has several stories and anecdotes over the course of his life, personally and professionally, about how Galatians chapter 6, verse 9 really spoke to him, how he's embodied this verse, and he's going to equip us with some best practices for how we can make sure that we don't grow weary in doing good, because the stakes are too high. It's too important. How are we going to cover the world in Christ if we ever become weary of doing good? It's easy to go down that path, but we must encourage, fortify, and strengthen each other in Gary Loop is here to make sure that that happens. You're listening to the C-Suite for Christ podcast. We'll be right back. All right, everybody, welcome back to the C-Suite for Christ podcast. Before we bring our guest, Gary Loop, here to the forefront, 
Just want to remind you once again, I mean, be a part of this ministry. We talk about covering the world in Christ. We can't do this alone. We can't do this as a small collection of brothers and sisters in Christ. We need you to get involved. We need you to help ensure that God is on the move. Well, how do we do it? Well, probably the best way to do it is to go to our website, csuiteforchrist.com. It's pretty much a central repository for everything that has to do with covering the world in Christ. Join a Coffee in Christ virtual fellowship event. Heck, they're every Wednesday at noon central, every Thursday at 8 a.m. Central. Come to one of our C-Suite for Christ monthly gatherings. That's the third Wednesday of every month, either in person or via live stream. And we've got other content there, including our Covering the World in Christ with Paul M. Newberger radio show. Listen to past episodes, and the list goes on and on. So don't miss out on that. Speaking of missing out on that, you are not going to want to miss out on this enlightening conversation that I'm going to have with Gary Loop. Not only is Gary the president of the Loop Group, he's actually the chairman of the C-Suite for Christ Executive Committee, basically our organization's board of directors, and he's been a dear friend of mine for a long time. Gary Loop, welcome to the program, sir. Thank you, Paul. It is a pleasure to be with you today. Absolutely. Well, Gary, as you know, we've been talking about this throughout the course of the episode, a great verse here, and I'm really looking forward to unpacking this with you. Galatians chapter 6, verse 9, let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. So Gary, the first question that I have here for you like it just kind of seems at odds with common sense to some degree when it says, let us not become weary in doing good. I mean, I mean, how could anybody ever get weary of doing good? What, 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 what does that mean? And how could that potentially be a warning sign for us brothers and sisters in Christ? That's a great question, Paul. I think it's because it's hard. And in many cases it's counterintuitive. I think in today's world alone, um, the way we're seeing there's so much tension and frustration, and particularly in a world and certainly in our environment with a nation with less faith, there's just less to draw upon this, this doing good. And, uh, you know, as we, we're seeing a lot of, certainly in our political arena, that force and rhetoric are being rewarded, which are really just counter to the Bible. And I guess the big question I ask is, well, are we really making any progress by yelling and screaming at each other? Are we making any progress by getting in fights on airplanes? I mean, it's just not working. Um, and certainly this environment where people are just, where there's just a lot of fear and anxiety. And I think certainly that we don't want to express that oftentimes. So it manifests itself in different ways. So when we're out in an environment where there's a lot of tension, a lot of anxiety, we become very weary in doing good. Because certainly I know I do too. I'm always trying to do good. There's times where it becomes frustrating, but it's just such a word of encouragement because God wants us to do good, or in this case, more radically well. Um, but at the same time, in an environment, it's not easy to do. Yeah, you're right about that. And in the first portion of the program, that's one of the things that I talked about. I mean, the the, the garbage walks that Tanya and I used to go on all the time. I mean, you, you feel good picking up the garbage. You feel good being a good steward of God's creation. But then when you take a step back and you say, wait a minute, I just cleaned this patch of land two weeks ago and it's already trashed. What's the point? And it, it, it is easy for people to become weary in doing good, especially if it seems like your good doesn't matter, especially if it seems like, well, I'm just one tiny insignificant person and my good deeds aren't really registering with humanity 
as a whole, that can be disenfranchising, that can be frustrating, and that can actually lead us to regress. As you said, when God wants us to do good, if we become weary of doing good and we say, whatever, whatever, that what I'm doing isn't working, what I'm doing doesn't matter, I'm going to stop it. That's when a lot of the problems in society starts to happen. So, Gary, as a guy, now you're not perfect, I know that, but you're a guy that does a tremendous <laughs> amount of good in this world, both personally and professionally. So you have a lot of credibility here. What specific steps do you think our audience can take right now to ensure that they never become weary of doing good? Well, you're going to likely know my answer even before I asked it, Paul, and it's um, it's prayer. You know, and, and it's funny, and I and I want to just kick off by saying that, you know, I kind of really renewed my faith when I met my wife 24 years ago, and I was terrified of prayer. I was freaked out. I was nervous. But, you know, 24 years later, it's funny, this past week, I had the privilege of praying um, on the podium at, at Elmer Church. So I, I know oftentimes we have our spiritual gifting, but I would encourage those listeners that maybe are a little weary of prayer. Uh, I, I, it took me a long time to get there, but prayer is the answer. Um, and what I would encourage too is that there's a great verse I love that it's, it's um, 1 John 5, 14 through 15, which is this is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, we have what we've asked of him. So in prayer, it's not saying, hey, God, I'd like to get a million dollars in the bank. Can you do these, Can you do this and that for me? It's praying according to his will. What is his will for our life? So I think in terms of weariness, it's, it's praying to him, say, hey, Lord, I'm, I'm out there wanting to do good, but I'm weary. I'm getting there's a lot of loud noise and a lot of anger out there. So that's really the first place that I go. Uh, additionally, I love the, the, the biblical examples of it, um, the weariness of doing good of Joseph. You know, Joseph was just a brother amongst his brothers, and they sold him out to slavery. And then he goes off to Egypt, and then he's accused falsely by Potiphar's wife of trying to assault her. And then he's in prison. And, you know, next thing you know, he's, he's leading all of Egypt. You talk about weariness. This wasn't just days of weariness. This was years, decades of weariness when this man hung in there. And in the end, there were the rewards. Now, again, it's not always with the rewards, but what a joy to see the life of this man who was steadfast in his prayer and his walk with God. And I think there's also a patience element. I think we're certainly in today, and I'm no, I'm, I'm victim of this too, is that on demand now, Lord, here's my prayer. When, when's it going to come? And it's just patient knowing that, uh, you know, that God hears us in his timing is always better than ours. Well, one of the things that you said that I, I just want to unpack this a little bit, because I, I know there, there's a lot of individuals out there that, that affiliate as Christians. They, they, they talk about being believers, but it, maybe you can quote these statistics more readily than I can. But, uh, you know, in terms of the percentage of people that say they're believers versus the percentage of people that go to church, the percentage of people that say they're believers versus the percentage of people that actually read scripture. I mean, it's a horrible drop-off, just, just a big difference between their, those two numbers. And I know the same is true with individuals that affiliate as Christians versus those that pray on a regular basis. There's just not as much prayer going on in this world as much as we'd otherwise like to see. Now, now what are the reasons for that? There's probably a multitude of them, but I think you hit on one of them. You had said Back in the day, you used to be terrified of prayer. So I, I guess my first question is, why? And then my second question is, do you think other people might be in a similar position? And if so, how can they work to overcome any anxiety that they might feel in that regard? 
Yeah, no, I, certainly. My mine was really I was I was I, I my faith originally came from a church that was very private. So any kind of outward vocal prayer, once I was discouraged, it just wasn't part of the culture of my church, and so it was something I was never exposed to. So when I met my wife, you know, they they prayed out loud, and I was just said just honestly just freaked out. And so I guess it just took time to really kind of adapt to the environment. And so it's, it's taking time. So again, I would really encourage people that, that maybe, maybe it's not from their prayer background, perhaps they're really new to the faith. It's what's really the great thing about God is he knows your prayers even before you pray them. And so the neat thing, it doesn't have to be some kind of articulate, long biblical, biblical verse laced prayer. It's just, it can start as some people, I just tell you, it's as simple as God help me. Lord, I need your help. You know, and, and he hears you. Those are some of the most, you know, the childlike prayers of just please help me. And I think what that does is there's just oftentimes that, you know, there's just this 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 calm in the heart that comes from it, the calm in the spirit that comes from it. And I think it just kind of births more confidence in prayer. So I think it's very common to have it be something that's a little very and it's very daunting. You're inherently, and particularly in front of others, you're revealing your most intimate thoughts. It's very daunting. But again, the wonderful thing is that God hears your prayers. And as someone who was terrified to now where I'm praying on platforms, um, I, I couldn't encourage you more. Well, one of the things from the outside world looking in, somebody like you, Gary, appears to have it all. I mean, you had a successful career at We Energies and in, in business prior to that. I mean, not everybody gets asked to serve in elected office, and you were part of the mayor's cabinet. You know, you're um, you're, you're very influential in your church. I mean, some of the the, the top organizations and C-suite executives hire you to ask them how to figure out a strategic path forward for their organization. So, from the outside looking in, I mean, there's an awful lot of good going on in Gary Loop's orbit. But I know you grow weary. I know you grow tired. I know not every single day, even though you're a blessing to others and you're inspiring, encouraging others, there's probably days you wake up where you don't necessarily feel like that. I mean, we've all been there to some degree. So again, when we look at Galatians chapter 6, verse 9, let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Can you, Gary Loop, give us an example of when this verse was live and in action in your life. Maybe a time where you started to become weary of doing good, where maybe you felt, you know what, I'm, I'm, I keep moving forward in this direction. It doesn't seem to be working. It doesn't seem to be panning out and you came close to quitting. I mean, is there a situation you can share with the audience that is very applicable to this Bible verse? Yeah, what's well, the, the, the neat thing, and this is all glory to God, there's there's countless examples. One, one I'll share is that certainly when I was at We Energies, we went through a merger and you know, with mergers, there's always a number of scenarios and we had different unions coming together and different folks. And there were a lot of, there was a lot of consternation, a lot of fear, and a lot of anxiety. And, uh, you know, the goal of certainly our leadership team and certainly something I embraced was let's just make something that works for everybody. And so it, it, it was wearying at times to just keep, kind of keep pounding the same stone. And again, I really just give glory to God that he did the work, but I think it's that persistence if we know what is right and good, and again, I would discern that through God giving that to us, what that comes to that prayer comes in, what because there's our good and what, what we believe to be good, and then there is what is good in God's eyes, and God's word gives us that. And so I recall just being, there's just times where I was absolutely frustrated because we were banging up against the same walls. But I think that the thing that I loved, it was a persistence, because the other ingredient really when I thought of verses for this program 
it was it was not only doing good, but it's love. It just kept on being exhibiting love, saying, I'm I'm not going to give in the rhetoric. I'm not going to give in the narratives. I'm not going to give in the, in, the, in the detours in the conversation. I'm going to stick to the conversation of coming together, becoming unified. And the really cool thing, Paul, is that after a year or so of getting this done, we did become unified. You know, oftentimes in business and unions and such, well, that's going to be cats and dogs going to be fighting. That wasn't the case. We had a ton of unity and, and it really took a lot. And really, it was just staying the course but most importantly, seeking God for what his good is, because we all have a different definition of good, particularly in business and in life, and his good is the good. And I guess one final thing I'll tell you, and I'll try to keep it brief, is you know the story, the, the, the fruits of good are, as you know, I had, a stro- I had a stroke four and a half years ago, and it was due to exertion. It wasn't due to bad health or anything, but I tore my carotid artery. <clears throat> and one of the greatest moments I had is I was in ICU on the brink of death with two, a blood pressure of 240 over 180 losing my, you know, potentially going to lose consciousness and die. I was thinking, who do I need to call to make things right? I must, yeah, I want to, I want to, I wanna, before I die, I want to make things right. The, the most powerful moment I had, the moment I had a piece of dying was there was no one I needed to call because everyone that I've worked with and talked with and know and people that I know and work in life, um, because of the good, everyone knows where I stand. Certainly people have crossed lines with me. I crossed them with others, but by being honest and using dialogue with love, I, I really sat there thinking there's no one I need to apologize because through love and good, it allowed me to know that that everybody knew where we stood and I could die in the moment to be okay. The powerful stuff. And, and I think that's a mark of a life well-lived. Obviously not a perfect life. Nobody's saying that about you, Gary. But again, life well-lived when it's, who do I need to apologize to? You know, Who do I need to make amends with? You're sitting there struggling and you can't come up with anybody. So, yeah, the, I, I would say that is definitely a good place to be. If you're just joining us, our guest today on the C-Suite for, C-Suite for Christ podcast is Gary Loop. He's the president of the Loop Group, and he's also the chairman of the C-Suite for Christ Executive Committee, which is our organization's board of directors. So one of the other things that, that I like about this verse, Galatians chapter 6, verse 9. So when it talks about let us not become weary in doing good, obviously it's also, it's talking about our weariness. How do we not grow weary? How do we not tire? How do we not falter when, when the, the times get tough? Obviously, as we know they will, and many listeners today might be going through a rough season as we speak. But, but I would say it's not just about our weariness. One of the beautiful things about C-Suite for Christ is we come together to encourage each other, to witness to each other, to pray for each other. Almost like if you're in the airplane and the oxygen levels get low and the masks drop, sure, put your own mask on. But then when that's done, make sure that everybody else around you has their mask secured as well. So, Gary, one of our final questions here today, boy, howdy, time flies when I'm talking to Gary Loop. One of the final questions that I have is, in addition to making sure that we don't grow weary ourselves, great, you gave a great answer for that. How is we? How can we, as brothers and sisters in Christ, also make sure that our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ don't get weary? Because if they falter, if they stumble, if they tire, if they quit, we all lose. So, so what can we do to fortify them along the way? You know, I really found it through encouragement. You know, I don't know all the answers, but it's encouraging them. Um, you know, I, I think it's probably more prominent in this nation. We we're really designed not to look like we're ever having problems. And, but we know that ultimately we all are having problems. And particularly, I think of folks that always look like, even you said with me, that it looks like everything 
is going on target. That's not true. I mean, every, there, I've got plenty of things to be, to be concerned about, um, but it's encouraging words from others, certainly you and others in our work together. Um, but I think it's always easy to look at people that look like they're doing the right thing and just think that's their, that's their nature. But there's so many times where we can really encourage those folks. And I think of people particularly in, in healthcare. I mean, these people have been just brutalized by the number of hours and the, the consternation and the trouble. It's asking them how they're doing. It's thanking them. It's just because they are trying to do good. They're trying to save lives and help patients. So it's asking, how are you doing? How are you feeling? What's been happening? You know, it's our veterans. We know there's so much PTSD out there. How are you doing? You know, tell me about your story. It's all those questions. I think in terms of your answer, it's in terms of where it is. It's asking questions that may not be on the surface where they may look fine. Because we, we oftentimes just want to look fine, but we're not fine. And it's asking those questions. I think about teachers who are, um, you know, pulled in so many different directions. And sometimes you see school board meetings where you're wondering who's the kids and who, who are the adults in these situations. There's just anger. And here we have teachers just trying to educate our kids. So it's asking the questions, how are you doing, boy, in this environment of one day you're virtual, next day you're not virtual. Tell me how you're doing. How can I pray for you? Where are you at? So I think really it's, it's asking those questions that oftentimes are not on the surface but knowing they must be going through that. And finally, I think we know sometimes there's, there's instances where some, in business, someone maybe want to cut a corner and it's asking those questions as just saying, is this the right decision? Is this the right way to go? <clears throat> so again, I guess the, really the, the theme is questions. It's really walking in someone's shoes, identifying where they're at and asking those key questions to oftentimes come to their own discovery of where they're at. Yeah, you're not going to get any argument from me with respect to asking questions. And, and as you know, one of our favorite questions at C-Suite for Christ, which is a question that I don't think we ask enough of in society at large today, is how is your soul today? You know, we'll ask, how are you? We'll ask, how's the family? We'll ask, how's it going? But, but you know, I think to some degree, better than nothing, absolutely. But I think to some degree, you get some superficial answers. Maybe you got to dig a little bit deeper. But to go right to it, how's your soul today? Boy, what a what a great opportunity that is to lay it down at the foot of the cross and to really have a vulnerable, authentic conversation with somebody. And again, speaking of vulnerable and authentic, I'll, I'll do so for about 10 seconds here. Gary, uh, obviously the organization C-Suite for Christ is thriving under your leadership ever since you kind of took the reins as chairman of the C-Suite for Christ Executive Committee. We've just really took off. You've been a blessing to me personally, a blessing to this organization professionally. And I know you touched a lot of lives based on your commentary here during the course of this conversation. If somebody's interested in the Loop Group, maybe somebody wants your executive coaching services, wants to see how they can benefit from your influence in some, some way, shape, or form, what would you recommend they do, Gary, to learn more about you and your services? I would say reach out to me via email or phone or text. My email is. Um, Loop Group. It's Gary Gary dot Loop at Loop Group LLC dot com. My phone number is four one four three one five seven seven five zero. So either phone, text, or email. My website is under uh, getting redone, but it's Loop Group LLC dot com. So they can reach me anyway. Just reach out and love to have a conversation and talk more about where some of the pain points are and how we can help them out. Yeah, absolutely. But really appreciate having this conversation with you today, my brother. Thank you for your wisdom. You've been listening to this conversation with Gary Loop, president of Loop Group, right here on the C-Suite for Christ podcast, and we'll be right back. And my brothers and sisters in Christ, it's that time again. We got to get ready to say goodbye. I hate saying goodbye 
to my beloved listeners on this wonderful program. But I do want to recognize Gary Loop once again, the president of Loop Group. And also, he is the chairman of the C-Suite for Christ Executive Committee. This organization is thriving under his leadership. We would not be where we are today without wonderful people like Gary. It was wonderful to hear his story, wonderful to get his words of inspiration and encouragement. And as we get ready to say goodbye and hopefully have you back here again soon on the C-Suite for Christ podcast, I would just tell you, just, just, just don't ever, ever grow weary of doing good, ever. There, there's just too many people that are just interested in external validation. Are they seeing the good work that I'm doing? Am I being recognized for the good work that I'm doing? Is it a bit of an ego trip? Hey, look at me, look at what I'm doing. Now, that's not why everybody does good. But if that's ultimately to some degree what you hope comes out of your good works, it's easy to get frustrated. It's easy to get discouraged. It's easy to want to throw up your hands and quit. But as it said in scripture, as we unpacked that earlier today, those that don't quit in God's timing will reap a bountiful harvest if only we keep going. We're not going to cover the world in Christ unless we're all in this together. We're not going to cover the world in Christ unless we have each other's backs. And we're certainly not going to cover the world in Christ if we stop doing good. Don't grow weary. Don't grow tired. Because even if this world doesn't recognize your good, even if society doesn't recognize the good that you're doing, God recognizes it. And that's all that really matters. I'm Paul M. Newberger for the C-Suite for Christ podcast. We'll see you next time. Thank you for joining us on the C-Suite for Christ podcast. People everywhere are thirsting for Christ. Our goal is to cover the world in Christ using hope, encouragement, and God's nourishing words. We hope you'll join us. Please visit csuiteforchrist.com and come back soon for more conversations centered around God's endless love for us all. I saw you in my dreams before I came here. I will keep you in my dreams when I leave here. I won't forget you, no, 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 no. I won't forget you. You're like one of a kind, and my eyes light up when I think about you. I won't forget you.